have you heard of the fourth trimester, la cuarentena, as we say in Spanish, the 40 days after a woman gives birth? That is one of the most sacred times based on ancestral teachings. The time when a mother is supposed to be taking care of herself and her body and of course her baby. But this conversation really doesn't speak about what the fourth trimester is like for the baby, if they've hit developmental milestones or really anything about the baby, except that this little human is calling us forward to slow down and really take care of ourselves. And today I'm connecting with Carolina Bolivar and her journey. Before we move forward, please be sure to share this episode on your social media site, subscribe on your favorite listening platform, and go check me out at gifttoshift.com. If you listen to the first two episodes, they're actually bonus episodes at the beginning of the podcast, you would know that I had a pretty traumatic birth experience. And when I mention it in my intro, I say that motherhood was like a slap in the face. And what I meant was that this act, this purposeful act of gathering my emotions, my energy, you know, everything that has to do with me, because I have felt like, you know, this was such an experience that I had no idea. I had no information about, and my body was going through all these different changes that I literally felt like I was gathering myself up from the process that had just happened. And unfortunately, we live in a society where this process, this significant right of passage is one that is basically diminished and not valued as it was in the past. And so this episode is really about honoring the process of the fourth trimester after the mom gives birth. So Carolina is a mother of two. She's a holistic health coach. She's a cacao creator of service and ceremonialist. She's a lover of the earth. She loves drums, cacao, and healing music. And she's actually studying to become a postpartum doula, to be able to support and empower women who are in the transition to motherhood in a modern time, obviously, but really supporting and using her ancient traditions to support that process. She's a natural connector and she's a firm believer in that we all have the power to transform our environment by empowering ourselves through self-love and finding inner purpose as the ultimate love experience. And this significant rites of passage to become a motherhood in this fourth trimester is so delicate and so important. And I just loved having this conversation with her because it was so healing for me as well. So let's listen in. So the fourth trimester is actually the baby is in the womb for nine months, right? We are mammals and other mammals like the dolphins and all the other animals, the pregnancy is a whole year. So we are missing those three months. The baby, basically the baby is still developing after he's born for those three months. And as, as a woman, as a new mom, you're still learning. We're still learning, you know, especially for a first time mom. It's like, okay, what do I do? This is my second one after 18 years. Wow. Yes. Wow. <laughs> you know, I have, I, I was pretty good. I was like, okay, I'm done. And I got remarried five years ago and my husband doesn't have any kids. And he was like, you know, and I was like, oh my God, like, do I gotta, I gotta start all over again. But at the same time, really gave me the opportunity to kind of like do it all over again, but based on experience, 
based on connection, based on how can I really take care of myself on a way that I can nourish my, not only myself, but my surroundings and him. Him so, as in the baby. As the baby, yes, yes. So it was just really interesting. Uh, it, it's been a beautiful, beautiful journey. I'm originally from Colombia. And for us, it's like very, the first 40 days, mm-hmm. it's called the cuarentena, which is actually 40 days. Cuarentena, cuarenta, 40. Sí, sí, sí. Mm-hmm. So for me, that was like, it's really interesting. My grandmother, it was a midwife, a partera. Uh-huh. And my father, actually, he's amazing. He delivered my first child. Wow. Now, did you have your child? Did you give birth in Colombia? No, here. You did. And your father delivered your child here. Yeah. And so that's different. How did that happen? <laughs> what and all that happened? Yeah. So basically, well, it was on a, we were on our way to the hospital. But when I was home, the baby was already crowning. Oh, my gosh. This is your first baby. My first baby. Yes. It was like in an hour and an hour and a half. So when I I, I told my mom, I was like, there's something really like not normal here. Like I was already having contractions. But the doctor was like, no, just go home. Come back tomorrow. And when I I was in a lot of pain and I was like, I told my mom, I was like, there's something not right here. So when she looked. She was like, oh, my God, you're already crowning. And then my father was like, okay, we need to get to the hospital right away. And our way to the hospital, they just like maybe two blocks from the hospital, the baby's head comes out. Oh, my gosh. You only see this on TV, right? This was happening to you. You're a young mom. Yes. Your first baby. But, you know, what I like what you said was that it was instinctual for you. You know, you knew something is just not quite right. Exactly. For I guess I've been always very, very connected with my body. I always try my best and I always listen to my body. And, you know, especially with my sexuality, I've been very, very well connected. And when I felt, I was like, this is not right. And, you know, when two blocks from the hospital, the head comes out. My father is in the back seat of the car and he's just like, it's here. And I was just like, oh, my God. So anyway, we made it to the hospital. The doctor had to come inside the car, cut the umbilical cord and do, you know, everything that we had to do. So you're saying you gave birth in the car? Yeah, basically. basically. (laughs) And so how did your father react to that? Was he like it's it sounded like he was just like, okay, the baby's here now. He knew. I mean, he of course, he was like super. He was in shock. But at the same time, he was like. I guess he was just guided. He just needed mm. what he had to do. And of course, he had witnessed grand, his mom supporting so many other women giving birth and his own sisters. Got it. So his mother was your the grandmother that was a midwife. Yes, yeah. exactly. So, how beautiful. What a great story. Yes. What yes, a beautiful, beautiful story. You know, and it's something a- that you will pass on to your to your future generations. Yes, yes. So So, I have a question. I just have a question. I'm sorry to interrupt. I'm just really fascinated. There's so many good things that you're saying in this. You know, for me, I think the shift for how we're thinking about birth and motherhood and the cuarentena or, you know, these 40 days after a woman gives birth is really about honoring the process, the passage, the coming to life of this baby, you know, this new life. And 
we've been society sometimes doesn't provide that system to be able to honor the process. You know, everything is so rushed. And the other thing that I loved about what you said was you were excited about really, you know, your second pregnancy 18 years later, you were really focused on taking care of yourself, like doing it differently this time. And you said a lot about yourself and your body. And you said very little bit about the baby. And I don't mean it to put value on each or the other. What I'm saying is that oftentimes society pushes the value so much on the infant that we forget about the mother and the process and the change that's happening within her body. And then after that, after the baby is born, it's just like, okay, you've done your job. Good job. Now get back to work. <laughs> Go ahead and you know do all the things that you need to do. Um, to, you know, put your body, you know, back into your genes and go ahead and, you know, do all the things that you were doing before and do it with a smile on your face because you have this beautiful baby boy and you should be so grateful that he's here. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, that's just, I mean, I'm just making up a scenario, but I just kind of feel like that's, you know, that's essentially what society tells us so many of the time. So I love that you were just like, I wanted to do it differently. I wanted to understand and realize the process of this new birth experience that I was going to get a second chance to do. And I wanted to take care of myself. And you were really excited looking towards that new event. But what I gather is that it was really from you. You were looking for it for you so that you can do it differently. And the, the baby obviously is healthy and well, and it's good. But the emphasis you placed was really on yourself and your body and your mental and emotional health in the process of birthing and the process of how important that is. Yes, absolutely. For me, like from the very moment, you know, this, this was a, very, a planned pregnancy. From the very moment that I find out that I was pregnant, I was like, okay, you know, and it wasn't easy. We had a little challenge at the 20th week, I had the challenge to uh, make the very difficult decision to either continue with the pregnancy or end the pregnancy. Even, you know, with all the cares and, you know, we decided to, I decided, we decided to continue the pregnancy it was, and it was just so beautiful to, to be able to see the light of the baby. But if it wasn't because I was in that state of mind, emotionally, physically, mentally, and in a spiritual way, my first thought would be like, okay, I, you know, we, I had to terminate this pregnancy, you know? And for me, it was like, that kind of gave me so much power to be like, you know what? I could do this. I'm going to do this for myself. And then even that was like the biggest reason for me to, to be like, okay, now I really, really need to take care of myself I am so grateful for my community. I, I have amazing spiritual teachers and and other women that I, I have an amazing doula. She came with me. She was in this whole process with me and my yoga classes and like just really learning about so many different tools that we have nowadays. We have a beautiful community that even if you if a woman is by herself, a single mom can still create that, that sisterhood and that support system. Honoring the fact that, you know, community has always played a role in how women birth. 
Mm-hmm. It was never done alone. You never. Always, I'm totally fascinated by this topic of the fourth trimester and how we as women can reclaim the fact that birthing is a process that we actually can have control over. Yes. So I was able to birth in the hospital, but because I have made my birth plan. Right. And very specific when I had, when I spoke to my doctor, I say to him, look, this is what I want. And I want every single one of these things respected. Are we okay with this? And then when we hit 40 weeks, I was a few days after. So she was already talking about induction. And I was like, is there anything wrong with my baby? She was like, no. Is there any wrong, anything wrong with me? She was like, no. I was like, okay, so how long can we extend this? She said, okay, we're going to give it until 41 weeks. But it was like up to me for me to educate myself and ask for what I want. And when I got to the hospital, you know, once again, amazing birth, really fast, an hour and 15 minutes, no, <laughs> no medications. Like I didn't want epidural. And like, it was a beautiful, you know, I wanted like skin to skin right away. And I, I asked, I was like, I want to breastfeed. Don't take the baby away from me. It was like something that I decided to do, right? And I'm like, yes, my insurance is here, but this is my body and it's my choice. I'm grateful for my doula that was next to me because they wanted to give me some medication. And then, of course, so much is happening at that moment of the birth that we go on primal mode. Oh, like, sure. Sure, sure, sure. And not only that, but I think that there's an intimidation factor there too, which is, you know, you have these professionals who are absolutely educated in this field, right? They know exactly, they've seen thousands and thousands of cases of people, right? And they just want to make sure that everybody is safe. And that, I mean, there should, could be other reasons. We can have an, another show about why. Yeah. <laughs> they, uh, <laughs> We could have another show about just C-sections, right? And the rise of C-sections in this country. But it's essentially, you know, there is a place for a doula to advocate, you know, the advocacy part for someone who is intentional about standing up for what it is that you want, minus the complications, right? And mm -hmm. if things are life and, and death, then that's a different situation. But, you know, from the perspective of I need somebody there to advocate and not be afraid to advocate for me because you're right when you're in the midst of the pain or you're in the midst of the of what's happening things get skewed and then you're just like oh that's not really what I wanted and so birth plans are important to be play, put into place and also that you have somebody who can support you in implementing that birth plan not just particularly that you come in with a piece of paper because then they're like oh okay nice okay good 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 We'll figure out how this is going to go. <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? At the end, it's really up to them because, you know, they already know that we are going in there like we have no idea what's going on. So and I even told her, I was like, I want to give birth on my knees. Like I want to give birth this way. And then, you know, the doctor was nice. I know she was like, they were like, oh, this is like one of this is one of them. <laughs> One of these women who just want to do what they want to do. Yeah. We don't like that. That, you know, and I'm I'm gonna have some L and D nurses here who I love, who are great nurses. And so we probably could have the same opinion or differing opinion. I would love reach out to me. I would love to have a conversation with a labor and delivery nurse. Yeah. Because there's another mentality behind it, you know? And so there's always in this process of 
changing the way that we're thinking and pivoting and changing our perspective. And, you know, the way that the podcast is called the gift to shift, there's also two sides of it. So, you know, this conversation is not exclusively, you know, this is the only way it's just one way in the experience that women have, you know, that I'm talking to this one person, Carolina, who has experienced this. And so I would love to be able to talk to a labor and delivery nurse because I think that we all have the same goal, right? Mm. And the goal is to be able to have healthy, supportive environments for women to birth. But I also do think that there's, there's another, you know, there's something else behind that, which has to do with, you know, money. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the bottom line. It's money. It's a money issue. You know, yeah. it's money with insurance and it's money with, I can't remember the name of what it's called when a doctor needs malpractice insurance, mm-hmm. money with time. It's money with space. And, you know, how, who do you have in the, the labor and delivery room? It's money with who's on and how many shifts. You, I mean, there's just so much, right? So I don't want to get into that piece of it, but unfortunately that's part of it. And so when you say that you're very connected to your body and you're able to really have somebody who also is, has been with you during this nine months as a doula, you know, it's so important to be able to continue to have the conversation about what it's like to really take care of you as a woman before, during and after birth um, so that you can raise a healthy child. I think the health of the child has to do with the health of the mom. So nourished, I I always say in my whole hashtag during that time was like, nourish the mom, nourish the baby, like a nourished mom, nourishes the baby and for us my culture is like 40 days of this very uh special diet is like we're not allowed to eat certain foods no cold nothing cold nothing raw no so this is after the baby is born yes after the just for you just for me my mom will come every day and i was lucky enough to find upstate new york there's a it's a chicken farm and we were able to get the hands. It has to be the hand because the chicken is cold. So the hand is a, it's it's hot. It's a basically it's hand soup every single day for lunch and dinner for forty days. For forty days, of course, we get like our arepas, which is like a corn cake kind of thing. A lot of chocolate, a lot of hot chocolate every single day. We do hot. So tell chocolate. me about the chocolate. Tell me about the chocolate. Yes. I have I a love- feeling, but tell me. I want to know. I have cacao. I am very connected with this beautiful medicine. It's so sacred. It's been such beautiful part of my journey, right? So ceremonial cacao, you can also drink it as if you're drinking, you know, like hot chocolate, but doesn't have all the chemicals and all the sugars. So it's just basically raw cacao and we drink it every single day. I mean, I've been drinking it for the past five months, but during that sacred time of the 40 days, we must drink it every single day because it has so many amazing properties, has so much magnesium, and it just allows the woman and and our well-being to stabilize so we don't have to deal with like postpartum depression. Well, I was just going to say that. My girlfriend said to me, are you eating cacao? Are you having like, I want you to go get a dark chocolate. I was like, I don't really like chocolate. (laughs) She said, first of all, what's wrong with you? And then second of all, she said, she said, she was just joking. But then she said, 
I want you to get the darkest chocolate that you can. And so I went and I got some and it was so bitter and it was so like, oh. but I ate it and I did feel better. And now I use it and it's like one of the most ancestral ways of uh, feeling better is the cacao, you know? And so it's, I had no idea though, drinking it for 40 days was part of the ritual as well. So it's part of the ritual also, um, like nothing, nothing cold. We kind of have our, our feet cold, like always like being in a very warm space, and then on the 40th day, we do like a baño. So we bring medio, which is, it will translate to like, you know, like a sage, mm -hmm. like smudging, like a smudging. Right. Mm -hmm. But for us, it's, mm -hmm. yeah. But we use like copal, which are more plants from the land. And we pray to the plants to bring healing to the home, to the woman, to the baby. And then so that night, we do the whole bath and then the next day mom is in bed the whole entire day. Really? I mean, whole entire day with the baby. So you only get up to use the bathroom and that's it. They bring you everything to your bed. Like you eat in the bed. Like basically you're just there to nurse the baby and that's it. What a difference. Yes. It's beautiful. Yeah. Of course. It sounds amazing. Just being in bed, <laughs> having someone, you know, take care of you, you know, you've been growing a human inside of your body. Yes, 10 months. And now you have the ability of being able to rest and connect and be with your baby all day. So you're in bed the whole entire day that day. Yes. And then and then that's it. You and go then that's it. And that's it. You're done. And then you're but done. Pa fuera de la cama. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, because like, can, you can't even go outside. During the 40 days. No, you cannot go unless it's like doctor's appointment. Doctor's appointment, right. Uh -huh. Well, you have to put cotton balls in your ears because the cold cannot go inside of you. They say like cold is like a spirit, right? Everything has spirit. So the, the spirit of the coldness should not enter a woman who just had a baby. Remember, we are empty. There was so much in there. Now it's an empty space. So we don't want all these energies to go inside our womb. Right. I hear that. I hear that. And so, it, no, I do, because I think it's very important. And, you know, I was raised with my grandmothers from Puerto Rico. And so, you know, there were lots of similarities, not particularly to the birth, but just being cold, you know, that that was always frowned upon. If your feet were cold, if your back was cold, if your neck was cold, if your hands were cold. You know, there was a diagnosis, you know, and so there's all these, you know, instinctual things that came forth from them. And so why do you think the disconnect happened? Now, your family is here. You're from Colombia, but you you live here in the United States. And so where do you think the breakdown came as a society? Because I'm sure you have friends or acquaintances or people that don't have those type of rituals. And there, it's not to say that something's wrong with other people who don't have those type of rites of passage. That's essentially what it is. It's a right. To, it's a rite of passage. Do you believe that the, there was a disconnect? Well, I feel that the, number one, the disconnection with one's body. That's like number one. Also living in the United States is, is that, you know, we have so much pressure, 
so much pressure as mothers, as women, like you the strong, you have to smile, you, you know, you cannot be vulnerable. Like you have to do it all. You have to do it all. And you have to be present for your, for no, not even for yourself because it's the kids, the husband, the family and everybody else. And then there's you. And then it's your job. Oh, yeah, the job and the job, because, you know, everything is a dual income. I mean, you know, some women don't have that responsibility of having to go to work. But most women, I would say, go to work because they choose to because they want to. They're not particularly a stay at home mom. But we're not talking about the process of you going back to work and, you know, having the life of that you've always dreamed of and the career that you've always dreamed of. It's more so about the process of taking care, like you said, disconnecting from your body or being connected to your body and then giving birth. And then what society is holding up for you as an example of what it is to be a successful mother or a successful, you know, woman. That's where I feel the disconnect is, you know, you're right. There's so much pressure on women to be able to do it all. And it's fascinating to me because there's definitely a breakdown. And I feel like it just happened. I feel like it's just happened. Yes, yes, I, I agree 100%. So my husband is from he's from the south of Italy. He's from Naples. And where they are, you know, every time I go there, I'm just like, Oh, this is just so perfect. Like they know exactly what they're doing. Like moms, you know, really have the opportunity to stay home for at least a year. And, and you see the beautiful families the the togetherness, the community yeah. is just so you know, we get together on Sundays at grandma's house and it's like all the kids come and it's just like so beautiful because it's a huge support system. That's right. This is not a competition here. Like, let's just really get together and support each other. How can I help you? Like, you know, I study a little bit about, about our ancient um, and the natives and indigenous communities. And even some women, if, if I was having an issue breastfeeding, like my sister or other woman in the in the community will come and breastfeed my baby. Oh, what? Yes, yep. So you know, it was so beautiful. So this is exactly where I think this is a great opportunity. We need to start talking about this and how can we really start supporting each other and create that community to raise caring kids, loving kids, kids that start loving themselves when they see that relationship with with I'm breastfeeding is just like such a beautiful experience and such a loving connection. Like how can we support other women to experience the same? Nasu feels so afraid of like, Oh my God, it hurts so much. I don't want to breastfeed anymore because it's this hurt. And that's when the disconnection starts. That we really take a look at how we are caring for ourselves and this mentality of self-care is not, I say this all the time, it's not getting manicures and pedicures. Self-care is honoring your body, you know, however that may show up, whether it means that you take a few deep cleansing breaths, or you go ahead and you, you know, just have time to just sit and be quiet and quiet down your thoughts, or if it's going for a run, you know, whatever exercise that you may do that you enjoy. And so if we can, as a society, stop putting women against women, you know, and thinking that there's a certain level that we need to uphold. I think that we can start the process of having a more honest conversation about things 
And I can have a whole nother topic about pain, you know, and birthing and, and how that came about, you know, and p- women being absolutely afraid of pain during childbirth, mainly because, you know, that I can't remember the book that I read, but it was the author said it's mainly because we are, I think it was doing the research that I was doing when I was looking into home birthing, that women are afraid of the birthing experience because of the fact that they're not connected to their bodies. Yes, yes, I agree 100%. There's a big disconnection there. Pain, especially when it's painful, of course it's painful, but like anything in, like so many things in life. I always said, and when I was doing my yoga, my teacher will say like, visualize this birth as like every contraction is a step closer to hold the baby in the light of your life. So like everything in life, every challenge really takes us where we need to be. And we, I'm sure many of us are so grateful and we appreciate all those challenges and with the pain and everything because it makes who we are. We are so strong that we have forgotten how strong we are. So, yeah, so I agree with you on that. And so how, what do you believe is the solution? You know, I hate to use the word solution, but I mean, really, what can be the next step for us as collectively as women? For me, educating ourselves, gaining that power, connecting. Let's start connecting. Let's start uh, learning about the ancient practices. How can we really support each other? How can we really, how our grandmothers did it back then when we had, they didn't have access to hospitals. There's so much there. There's amazing communities of doulas, midwives that are so eager to start to educate us about all of the beautiful things that we can do. And how can we really start being of service to each other? I think that's where we really need to be and start cultivating. We live in a place where we talk about it's it's individualism and it's like, no, let's just really go back to the roots, our roots and supporting each other and work together to raise these beautiful beings because they're going to be the future. What kind of babies are we, are we raising like competitors or we are going to raise these kids that are going to be able to support each other. Because if we continue to do what we're doing, look where we are today. The, the earth, our society, it's like, it's time. It's time for us to start connecting with ourselves, with our babies, with our families. I agree that, with you 100%. That's how the only way how society is going to be really able to thrive. I'm so grateful for our time here today. This was a fantastic <laughs> conversation. I want to do it again. I want to do it again. I want to do it again. It's so good. And there's so many other things that I, we really could have dug deep into. And I do want to have you back and talk about more of the ancestral and very ritualistic components of what you were saying, because I think that's really key and important. And I believe that this pandemic has allowed people to see that uh, we are more closely related and connected than ever before. And that in this time of reckoning and spiritual awakening, I feel that people are hungry 
to find out, okay, how can I do things a little bit differently and how can we create something more? So I appreciate you. This has been fantastic. Thank you so much to Carolina. It was so great having you on. Thank you so much for your time. This is a conversation that was really for me, a conversation grounded in truth that I really can't describe or put into words, but it was so healing. So I appreciate your time. And, you know, one of the things that it left me with is that this transition into motherhood is a significant one, a powerful one. And I'm really passionate about it because essentially when you take care of the mother and you take care of the birther, so to speak, you are really taking care of the future generations. Mom needs to be well and safe and nurtured during this time, especially these 40 days, so that she can help and support raising this child and contributing to healing our world. So I'm so very grateful. Please be sure to check out gifttoshift.com. Make sure that you subscribe for the podcast. Just click subscribe on whatever listening platform you are on right now. And thank you so much for joining me in the journey. And we'll talk next week.